0: Welcome to the Blind Shots Podcast. I'm your host, David Hill, coming to you from behind the 18th green at leaving links, knowing that it's all over and that it was totally worth it, all of it. And this is Season 4, Episode 8, Americans in Scotland Revisited. Three years ago, Matt, Fred, and I embarked on a journey to the home of golf. That trip, those places, that golf, that Scotland, it changed us forever. Every year on the anniversary of our arrival in my ancestral homeland, I begin sending the guys one message per day with some photos of where we were on that day back when it reminds us of the courses and the experiences the ridiculous and the sublime all of the things we laugh about and choose to remember fondly so much has changed since the fall of 2019 for us for you for everybody i thought this would be a good opportunity for the fellas and me to get together and reflect on such a monumental personal journey this isn't a hole-by-hole recounting of the golf rounds, nor is it us just sitting around laughing and snorting about, hey, you remember that time when? Far from it, actually. Those were the original Americans in Scotland's episodes of the podcast, which you should go back and find in the archives if you're just now joining us to the podcast. Instead, with this episode, I ask the fellas to look back at how they view that trip, maybe in more spiritual terms. Scotland can be many things all at once. So with this conversation, we seek answers on what makes it such a magical place, such a haven for making memories and inspiring stories. Before we dive into my conversation with the guys, I want to make another appeal. I want to remind you that there are some fantastic stories in the latest edition of McKellar Magazine, McKellar number six, which is available now at www.mckellarmagazine.com. It's available for purchase. And with the holidays right around the corner, it'd make a perfect gift for the golfer or Avid reader in your life. You don't have to be a golf specific person to enjoy this excellent writing. So go order your copy now. Just do me that favor. You're also invited uh, to give me an attaboy or throw vegetables at me on Twitter or on Instagram at Blind Shots Pod and Blind Shots Podcast, respectively. There are no corporate sponsors or paid endorsers of the Blind Shots Podcast. I can bring you this amazing commercial free audio content most weeks uh, because of my day job as David Hill Realtor with Rector Hayden Realtors. I help people sell their house and find their new home as well as helping investors and businesses with their commercial property needs in Central Kentucky. It's an interesting time to be a realtor and a great time to be a buyer. If you want to know what's happening in our market you can email me at davidhill@rhr.com. at rhr.com. Now that's enough of the self-promotion and the deep thoughts so I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with Fred and Matt. of our last full night in scotland um we enjoyed probably the best italian food i've ever eaten right there that little place uh in the theater district in edinburgh so cheers to that fellas um matt I'm gonna start with you speaking of that italian restaurant you know we ate a we ate a lot of pub food a lot of grill room fish and chips and and sandwiches but and we also ate some really fun really good meals steak barn forgans come to mind um did you enjoy the food and beer scene over there more, less or about what you expected in Scotland?
1: Um, I would say pretty pretty similar to what I expected. I guess I don't know that I that I fully knew what to expect. Um, what I found it to be what the the scene was great. They um, you know, especially in the areas where the courses are, you know, it's they, they kind of do it up for having a good time. That's the whole, you know, it's part of the part of the reason that those things are there. And so the places that are around it tend to feed into that. Um, what I remember the most was you're absolutely right. There were some really wonderful, uh, some really wonderful stuff. Uh, the beef is just a little bit different. It's not bad, but it is not the same taste that you get in the states. Um, so that was the one thing I remember because the burger we had at, at whatever the I don't remember where it was one of the first nights where we found that little burger place with the shakes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I remember having that being like, this isn't bad. It's just not quite what I was expecting. Was
0: was it off-putting or was it?
1: Um, I think it's just something you have to be aware of. Like I said, it wasn't bad. But if it's a thing where, you know, you're concerned about it, maybe you go a different route.
0: Gotcha. I, nothing. You know,
1: it's not your thing, or it's you know, you only you know. Again, I I eat way too much beef all the time, so whatever. All of it's good, but um, <laughs> if it's not really your jam and you're just kind of into it a little bit, might it might be enough to. To be off-putting at that point.
0: Well, I, I would think right there in the college district, the university district of Edinburgh, you you would have counterbalanced that with just the that you were allowed to look at that molded <laughs> side of beef hanging in the storefront window <laughs> on our walk.
1: Seventy-two years. Yes.
0: Oh my lord! There's was, there was only going to be like six ounces of meat left on that once they finally <laughs> peel that. There um, was still
1: in a West Germany when that was put in there. I'm pretty sure. <laughs>
0: Fred, did you develop a lasting taste for scotch that came home with you from Ely?
2: <laughs> you know what? Um I did. I was I was uh I was very so leading up to it, you know, I think that if you go and you were to look at like um you know posts or any type of information on Scottish food, I don't think they were always, you know, very, very positive. Um, so I was somewhat concerned that, you know, we got over there, it was going to be just a lot of, you know, some oily fish and some chips, right. Some fries and, and I was okay with that. Um, but I mean, I was pleasantly surprised. I felt like everywhere we went, you know, um, was, was, was good. Um, I mean, I think that there was a couple of places we went that were above and beyond, uh, Foregan's was very nice, um, you know, I go there and I, you know, I I get a Caesar salad, you know, with some salmon and that was probably the best Caesar salad uh with that smoked salmon that I've probably ever had.
0: True um, or false? Pop quiz. True or false. The sticky toffee pudding at Forgan's was the best thing you've ever eaten.
2: I was just going to say that. That was that was unbelievably good. I mean, that was that was a meal in of itself. Um, but no, I mean, I thought everything was good, but you know, I'm I'm not like the the big lavish kind of, um, you know, going out to dinner kind of guy. I liked the little, the little pub scene. I felt very comfortable with that. And, um, I thought the food was, was, was great, but you know, I'm, I'm not pushing myself away from a lot of, you know, dinner tables anyway. So, um, but, uh, no, I mean, I, I, I really enjoyed the food.
0: You know, guys, we had a full year, full calendar year to get ready for that, that Scottish trip. I literally found out about it, um, late October, standing on a, a tea box at Valhalla. So I got in touch with you guys literally the next week. Um You know, having that long to plan, to think about it, Fred, you know, having experienced Scotland, having gotten some of their weather and some of their wind, um, an idea of kind of the the walking required, how quickly do you think you could muster for another trip? If something, something popped up, Maybe that's a bad way, or or if we were planning to do it again, is that something, do you need longer lead time now that we're a little older, or do you think, you know, we could, we could pick a place and go in a few months time?
2: Um, I, I mean, I think it's a few months time. I, I really did not have an issue with the walking. I mean, but you know, on our little summer trip, we probably do, you know, more walking on some of those you know, like the the um, Sand Valley trip, we did more walking over a shorter amount of time than we did in the, the week that we were there. I mean, sure. you know, walking 18 holes, you know, and for me, I mean, that's basically what I played each day. You guys played a little more. Um, I was on the conservative route. You know, I didn't want to have an issue or, you know, twist an ankle and be in a bad spot over there, or a bad knee or anything. But, um, you know, from a physical standpoint, I don't, I don't think, you know, a lead time is, is, is a, much of a question. I mean, I think that, you know, for us to get up and do that now would be more of trying to uh, align our calendars with the wives and, and them letting us go again on, on solo. I mean, I think the stories that we've told them about the first time we went over there, they might be a little concerned about letting us go back a second time.
0: You know, that's, that's very true. We're doing a big trip next year, but it's to the middle of nowhere in Oregon. So but even at that some guys are coordinating with the family. So Matt, I'll I'll put it to you this way. Was that Scotland trip was that the last big trip you'll be able to take without your family, without one of your boys or Nora or something that your wife comes along with, you know, is that was that a, a first time last time big big trip?
1: I think it's a first time pause for a while. And then, because at some point the kids are going to be older and have their own stuff going on, and you know my wife's going to be sick of me. I mean, she's already sick of me, so by then it'll be like way, way sick of me, um, and won't be won't be bothered to come along. But no, I mean, I, I think I think it's one of those things where it, it just happened to pop in at at, at kind of a, a sweet spot time where we could make it work, where they were old enough to not be the world's biggest burden on whoever they're here with, but not to the point where you felt obligated to, to take them along. Um, and so it just sort of, it snuck into a weird sweet spot that I didn't realize would exist. Um, but no, I think there's more trips. It's just, you know, not for the next few years probably because, you know, at, at 14, 12 and 10, there's a
0: heck of a lot going on. <laughs> <laughs> that,
1: yeah. Once they're in college and I don't have any money anymore anyway, well, why not?
0: Right. That was that was actually something I had in my nose. This is the last trip before the youngest of them gets to college or you know signs up for the military. So yeah. Um, you know, we left, we flew out of Newark, wonderful Newark airport experiences that we had. Um, you know, it was exciting though. That that we that kind of got our blood moving. We we're full of anticipation. Um and everything was going to be different in Scotland. Um, you know, the accents, which I studied for, Yeah, you know, we we're colonial brothers separated by common language. Uh, <laughs> the weather, the food, the ground, um, you know, the, the feeling of those that links ground. Um, you know, the house, we almost froze to death the first night because we didn't know how to find or use a heating panel on a European unit. That was, um, Yeah. But that aside, you know, I absolutely fell even before I got there, I fell in love with the joy of hitting shots that were going to spend time on the ground. I mean, if you, if you really boil down the difference between my American golf here and what that trip kind of allowed us to experience, it was for me, it was the wind. We never played in golf. We never played in wind like that here and the ground game. And of course those two are related. Um, you know, I pulled off one of those ground shots at the castle that I can still feel like I can still feel that dribbler. And I'll never forget it because I remember Matt picking the ball up and throwing it back up the fairway at me. He was so disgusted that it worked. It was just one of those little magic things. So, Matt, strictly speaking, kind of in terms of the golf courses. um, What changed for you if anything in scotland you know if there was if there's ever a place made for a guy that loves his 48 degree wedge a little too much it's the Linksland of scotland um but was that a was that fleeting or did that kind of change any any way you look at the golf world it's
1: it's definitely the latter um i think once you once you're immersed in in something like that it's it's a it is a different way to play the game than you play over here. Um, And a lot of it has to do with the fact that there just aren't a lot of pieces of ground that you play on in the States that allow you to do some of the things that you can do over there. Um, There are some putts that I hit from not anywhere near the green that the caddies are like, yeah, no, don't put your wedge away, hit this putter, hit it about, you know, 70 yards and, uh, and it'll be fine. And you just, most places over here, you can't do that, no matter how much you want it. The grass is different, uh, the, the approaches are different, it's it's mowed differently, whatever it is. Um, it is a, it's a different style of game. And I think when you play it, the important thing is we played it six days in a row, right? And the castle course is a little bit different than than some of the others, but. For the most part, it's a very similar style. You know, Carnusti, St. Andrews, Ely, um, you know, Levin, um, similar style courses, and you played it a lot. And so the first couple of days, North Berwick, I kind of didn't know what the hell I was doing. Um, now, in fairness, by the end, I still didn't really know what, what the hell I was doing, but at least at the beginning, it was very, very foreign. And then within the next four days or so, you started to kind of get a feel for how to do this. It didn't mean I could, but I started to get a, an understanding of how to do it. Um, and there were definitely some things that I brought back with me from there. There are some shots that I hit now, some some ways of thinking about it um, that, you know, it, it doesn't exactly translate, but it's not so different. Um, now, there are plenty of times where I think about it and I look at it and go, okay, yeah, no, I can't do that here. Um, but yeah, it, it does put a few, a few kernels of thought in there that I probably didn't have before we went.
0: Brad, you know, I'm, I'm not convinced that the, well, I know the American golfer doesn't, I'm not sure the greater general golfing public gives Scotland and its Scottish golf courses enough credit for how pretty that Lynxland really is. I mean, we're there in October. So a transitional time winter has just about set in. But we had playable weather, you know, we had some, the chamber of commerce really couldn't, we got spit snow on, on Jubilee, you know, for one hole. And we got, um, I think at North Barrack, you know, right about the Redan, we had it for like three holes. Um, mm-hmm. But I do remember, you know, going back and looking through pictures. Sure. There's the, the Fife, the area in Dundee we were in. It's not the majesty of the highlands um, and it's not lush like so many American country clubs, but you know, the courses over there in their own way really are kind of stunning and and beautiful. I I guess so for you, did how you kind of look at and evaluate courses change as a result of that? Or was it just is that a is that something you siloed and said, that's Scotland, that's Scottish golf, and you know, everything else is can't be compared to it.
2: Um, I I would say, I, I would probably say the latter there, you know, um, it, it is, it is absolutely breathtaking on some of the, some of the views that you get there. Um, you know, when you can stand back on a tee and you can look out and, you know, see six or seven other golf holes right in front of you. Um, you know, usually I'm not a really big fan of that. If I'm playing around here, usually that reminds me of of the little courses that I grew up on where, you know, it's like a shooting gallery because they're all lined up right next to each other. But the fact that you can see all on the weekend, (laughs) right? Right. Um, but you know, when you're there, you're able to do that because, you know, they rely more on, on the, on the, on the land itself, right? You're not, you're not dealing with, um, you know, somebody planting a tree here to, to influence the way you play the whole, you're playing the whole, you know, for, for more or less, you know, how God intended the land to be there. Um, there's not a lot of sculpting going on there, but, you know, I think back, when I think about, um, picturesque, you know, views and stuff like that, I I still can't get over, you know, Ely. Um, that place was just, I mean, that, that, that stole my heart a little bit. I, uh, I could I could go there and play that a lot and probably never get tired of the views of of what you could see there. You know, you go out, I think it's uh, number 10, you play, it's a little short hole. You can't see where it, where it ends. Maybe it's 11. That's It's, it's 10, right, 10 goes over the hole ten. and
0: 11, yeah. 11 T, right they're right down there in that corner. It's my favorite little yeah. piece of earth I think I've ever yeah. set foot on.
2: Oh, absolutely beautiful. You know, and that was what I was talking about when you make that turn and you play 11, that's where you can see like seven, eight holes laid out in front of you, you know, and, and you're standing there and you're playing toward, you know, you're playing around the Bay right there, right. Uh, around the, around the water and you can see this giant mountain way over there. And you're like, Holy crap, that's like three holes away. And I'm just, and I can see every inch of, uh, where I'm going to be for the next, you know, 20, 30, 40 minutes. Um, it, it is very unique and you know I don't think that I don't think it's probably given you know the respect the the respect for the 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 beauty side of it that um it deserves because usually when we see it on tv you know it's um it's you know all brown you know right the courses that they do play you know on, on like the open rota or whatever you know I wouldn't say they're all necessarily that that brown, but they have to cut them as short as they do, and and the grass gets you know knee height, and it's gonna it's gonna turn brown on its own, right? Um. So I don't think that uh, it's uh, folks realize you know how beautiful it is over there,
0: Matt. If I, when I say Scottish golf trip, what, what visually pops into your head?
1: Um. um. This actually, I was, I was going to jump in there and this, this goes right into it perfectly. Um, you know, talking about the, the sneaky, beautiful. Um, and that's what I would call it. I think it's sneaky, beautiful. Um, a couple of the pictures for, for those who don't know, you know, with Dave and I uh, and Fred, you know, have all sorts of texts throughout the, throughout the weeks here and there and whenever. And with the anniversary here, Dave's been sending out pictures every day of, of stuff that we did, uh, where we were. And um, there were pictures of the old course and pictures of leaving that reminded me that I'd forgotten how beautiful it is. And with the old course, yes, there's, you know, th- there was the picture of me standing uh, about to hit my shot on 18, you know, with the br- with smoking bridge out there. And that's that's your picturesque norm. But there was a picture before that where you took it standing behind a bunker. I want to say it was probably 16 or 17, 15, 16, 17, something coming down the stretch. And it was, it was set up with the town in the background, but it really showed kind of the, the flow of the bunker that was immediately in the foreground of the picture leading out to the fairway into the hole. And you watched the kind of the topography of it. And it was, it was golfing beautiful. It wasn't right. you know, some immaculate sunset in the, you know, on, on Kapalua or something like that. But if you're a golfer and you're looking at this thing and it is simple and it is elegant and it is gorgeous. Um, and then the one of the last pictures of Leave-in was a picture where you were kind of up you were up high somewhere looking down. And I think it was at like 18 green with the burn and the clubhouse in the background. And it, it was, it was just a golf shot, you know, a shot of a, of a golf course, but it was one of those where you look at it and you're like, there have been people having a really good time right there for hundreds of years. Yeah, And it's this sort of quaint, like, you almost and especially you probably don't appreciate that shot unless you've been there um you know and it's it's one of those where like it sort of takes you back in time a little bit they you know there are still you know we ate in the in the clubhouse where there's trophies from 18 something right i mean that's that's where they were. That's where those people were when they did that 120 years ago. And it didn't really look all that much different then than it does now. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's sort of what I think of with, with Scottish golf is those kind of shots. Yeah. There's, you know, again, there's the, the Swilkin bridge and there's, you know, Carnoustie in, in all of its teeth and, um, there's those sorts of things, but there's the the sneaky little beautiful shots that that I think I sometimes forget about. And then you sent the pictures out. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's why that was so pretty.
0: Yeah, you know, it, it's Ireland photographs better those dunes they have on some of the the famous kind of bucket list courses on the Emerald Isle are really just gorgeous, but it, it's just a, a scale difference. You know, the it's like going to Sand Valley, but it's all green. You know, you can imagine that if those hills were just covered in green. Whereas in Scotland, I think what you said, that it's golfing beautiful, that it's elegant and simple. Um, the other thing that, always, that stood out for me, um, having been on now on a couple of golf construction sites and playing, you know, in different parts of the country, there, I've still never seen earth rumpled so well as some of those holes. Ely comes to mind, um, Carnoustie a little bit. Just the, um, you know, they can't try as they might that doesn't that just can't get recreated with an excavator and a big blade bulldozer. I mean, just the way the way that sand has landed there and grass has grown on it, you know, the way that has evolved, it is just. It is spectacular to look at, especially maybe part of it was the time of year because we were there in the time of long, you know, of horizontal sun and long shadows, and I I really feel like we got to see some of that ground at its very best. The castle course too, Um, you know, it it tried because that is all manufactured, but that wasn't the same as the ground at North Barrack. You know, it tried, it got really close, but there was there was just a difference there, and there was just a beauty with some with all those older courses. Um, you know, I spent the better part of that year before Scotland, trying to practice a Scottish game, um, hitting knockdown shots. I mean, I want to, the worse the weather was, the more excited I was to go out and play golf at Kearney Hill, you know, trying to, trying to work up my Scottish tolerance, so to speak. And it was a big help. I mean, it it was nice to have those shots, but. You know, it's kind of hard to explain what's required of the golf game over there because the, you know, your 70 yard putt is nice. Um, you know, being able to lift the club quickly and drop it in a pot bunker to try to get out. Okay. That's, that takes a little bit of practice, but really I found, I think upon reflection, just hitting the ball solidly is the number one key to playing well over there. And I'll, the example I'll give you is, um, 13th hole at Carnoustie. Okay. You guys have chowed down on your potato soup or whatever it was that the caddies, you know, got you to get at the clubhouse. And we've gone around. I've hit one off the side of the earth, and then we all turned south, and then we come up to this 120-yard par three, and we all come up short. And Matt Cheney hits it into the meanest bunker he's ever seen, um, all because we were playing directly into the wind, and none of us caught it solidly. Um, so, Fred, you know, if I'm in a friendly game, I still look for a chance to hit those "quote unquote" Scottish golf shots. You know, let me chip it with an eight iron instead of hitting a pitch with a wedge. Let me, you know, maybe take a three quarter knockdown. That's kind of fun. I don't do it as much in in competition golf. Um, but the desire's still there. Do you find yourself still hitting or seeking out that kind of link style of play? Or have, have you kind of put you closed that book and you'll you'll pick it up next time you, you go somewhere? Like maybe Bandon Dunes.
2: Um I you know, I gotta say that I- Um, yeah, you know, like you said, the, the 70 yard putt, um, you know, uh, I think Matt made mention that, you know, you walk up and you might be 20, 30, 40 yards, not 20 yards off the front of the green. And the first thing the caddy does is they hand you the putter. Right. And you're like, what, 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 you know, um, my, my first example is, uh, the first hole we played at, uh, Carnoustie. I came up short. Um, you know, I'm ready to hit my little, you know, nine iron bumping up there and he hands me a putter and I'm like, Whoa, uh, okay. I I don't think I did as much preparation for that. Um, and, and I think it took me three or four holes where I was like, well, you know, I'd like to, you know, chip this or whatever. He's like, nah, you're going to want to put it. You're going to want to put it. And, um, I remember that there was a, it was a turning point and I think it's like number five or number six is they they. Hogan's alley, six, uh, six. Um, and I'm, I, I'm doing my best to, you know, make us make an eight on that hole as I can to get there. And um, I'm up by the green and he's like, Oh, you're going to want to put this. And I was like, just, just, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to need my pitching, which I was like, I, I just want to bump it up there close. I need the And I actually, I don't know if you guys remember this, but I do that. I actually chipped it in. And from that point on, my caddy's like, well, here you go. Here's your wedge, you know. <laughs> so um, I, I think that, you know, as you say, hitting things soft and having some confidence, you know, over whatever you're going to do is always going to play well wherever you go. There are definitely definitely situations where you have to play that ground game, you know, more so in Scotland than anywhere else. But there are times, you know, in a round, wherever you play, there is always – not always. There's always opportunities throughout the round, maybe not on every shot, that you can still play one low if you want to play it, um, you know, hit the middle of the green, let it run to the back or whatever else. Um, so I don't – I will say that I didn't spend a lot of time play, practicing Scottish golf. Um, I think, like, to, to further your point, you know, hitting ball solid and being comfortable with what you do is going to play anywhere. But the um, but there's way more opportunity to use use the ground and use um, use what's in front of you rather than you know the American style of throwing it way in the air and, and getting it stopped by the hole
0: yeah the 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 wind and the the tightness of yeah. the turf over there really really put that in question Matt now to be candid you've added a sand wedge since our Scottish expedition um, but we joke a lot. At your expense, about your bunker escapades at Carnoustie, um, and your maybe your bunker skill at the old course, you you did as you were told. So, uh, roughly, how many indelible memories do you still have in your hands? Or if you close your eyes, how many shots do you still remember? I mean, we take golf trips every year. We see we've seen some bucket list courses. We play you know, a handful of rounds each year with each other, just at, at places we're familiar, but you know, the, the different kinds of trouble and the different kind of courses we were playing, how many of those shots can you just close your eyes and see?
1: I could probably recall with very little effort, 75% of the shots that I hit three years ago. Um I can, I mean, I can remember, um, you know, I remember putts I made. I remember putts I missed. Obviously, I remember, you know, disasters like the bunker on nine at Carnoustie, um, and the bunker at thirteen on Carnoustie. Yeah, that um, fourth
0: that fourth guy, he was pretty good.
1: He was good. He was. He should have hit more of my shots. <laughs> um, I, you know, pulling driver on the Jubilee on eighteen when I should have <laughs> hit the damn four iron um but there's you know so I remember those big but I remember a ton a ton of shots a ton of you know where I was um you know on on just random holes on of of pretty much all the courses I mean I'm not I'm not at 100% I couldn't walk you through shot by shot by shot but I could probably come I mean, you know if I hit it if I hit it 95 times, I could probably come up with 80 of them without too much trouble.
0: You know, we employed caddies at Carnoustie because it's the hardest golf course in the world. And at the old course, because we wanted to maximize our fun. We wanted to have the best. It was a great experience insurance is kind of the way I look at it. Um, I've only used caddies on those two courses, um, Murfield Village with you guys, and then last summer at Sand Valley. Um, you know, in Scotland, our caddies just got it. Those guys I felt like were really great. They, they added to the experience, um, me taking things more seriously. I got the serious guys. Fred kind of had some jokers. Um, Matt kind of had that, that Goldilocks right in the middle. Um, they were characters, but they're also good for our games and our experiences. So I love our caddy stories. Now I'm as cheap as any four Scots you're ever going to find, And Matt, you make me look like a spendthrift trust fund baby. So, were the caddies in Scotland the last ones you plan on ever employing, or did you?
1: No, there are times. There are times where they are where they are. You know, absolutely necessary. Um, You know, like you said at Muirfield, that that was another good. A good example of, of a place where yeah you should have you should have a cat right there's if you're if you're only going to play it once um you know there's something to be said for knowing where you're supposed to hit it and that's one of the reasons that it worked so well at a place like the old course because there were multiple times where the place to hit it was not on the hole that you were on and there's no way you would have known that if you didn't have them Um, I thought we did it just about exactly right. I don't think we needed caddies on any of the courses that we didn't have them. And I think that our, our experience would have been less on Carnoustie and the old course had we not had them. Um, so will I ever have a caddy again? Yes, of course, there will be times where it'll be necessary. Um, but am I planning on doing it a lot? No, probably not.
0: Now, Fred, I'm not sure what your current theory is on push carts after your north barrack incident um if caddies were more widely available say at you know your your every once in a while you're invited columbus country club or if they had them out at virtues formerly longer burger you know a, a a special not a bucket list but a you know an out of the ordinary round um are are you caddy people are you a caddy golfer
2: um, I, I, I like the caddy. I thought and, it, was, and does, it was, how does, like, how does
0: Scotland influence that? Let me put it that way.
2: Yeah. Um, well, well, to Matt's point, you know, not only do you not, it, it, the old course, if you, if you didn't have a caddy, not only do they tell you where to hit it and it might not be on the, you know, you might not be on the same hole where you're hitting, hitting the ball, but it's finding the next tee box. In some of those situations. (laughs) I mean, I don't think I would have made it around that course. I mean, I would have been on two or three of the other courses. I mean, that place is like a bowl of spaghetti, man. There's this, there's some overlap there and there's like right next door. There's, you know, you don't know where to walk. Um, the tee boxes are the same, the same height as everything else. They just like, Hey, here's a tee box. So you you don't even get the little pushed up area where, you know, we're accustomed to a T being, um, uh, uh, I think, um, I think I'm an odd fellow sometimes that, um, I enjoyed the caddies. Um, but I, a perfect example, when we went to sand Valley and I had the, the, you know, the young lady who was my caddy, um, I was more concerned about her well being than I was, you know, her carrying my back and I might be a chauvinist pig, but uh, that was, that, that was a distraction to me. Um, and as, as a, as a push cart goes, um, those, they can all start, you, we can start throwing those in the Atlantic for all I care. Um, I would much rather just carry my bag. I found that to be way more convenient than, than trying to push that thing. Walking up a hill with a bag on my back is okay, but pushing a damn cart up in front of me, that that's like three times worse in my book. <laughs>
0: <laughs> under no circumstances is that worse but you know what i appreciate your honesty um now matt will you ever employ a push cart again no okay no. north beric absolutely ruined you for push carts okay
1: 100 it's the first time i'd used one in a long time and i was on about the fourth hole when i said okay we are done with this and <laughs> and then I said, Fred, just let it roll into the bunker, but he didn't listen, but that's all right.
0: You know, I, I keep, if it's pretty, I will keep a scorecard or if it's a memorable round. So I have Ziploc bags of scorecards and I keep all my um, yardage books. Um, And I went back and looked at the scorecards just for fun a while ago. And you know what, guys? we had disproportionately way more fun than our scores would indicate in Scotland. And that's maybe the biggest endorsement I can give of golf in, in Fife in that area. Um, because they weren't great. Now, Matt, you played, you had your good round at the old course, Mm -hmm. you know, of the trip. That was the one you put everything together. Um, I broke 90 at Carnoustie. Like that was that was one of my moments. And Fred, I think probably as long as he doesn't have to play the castle course again, I think he's probably he could probably find personal best moments in all those rounds. Um then I went back and looked at we also kept a scorecard of our gambling game, some kind of weird hybrid three-man chicken scratch game and that was the, I was like, whoa, I, I, I literally I had to ask you guys, like, what were we doing? Was this some kind of, was this a Nassau mutant fur baby? I I couldn't figure it out. So I give you that long lead to say that maybe more so than any other trip. And this is actually kind of hard for me to go back to because I came back from that and won a a club championship that got me free golf for a year, you know, the following year, 2020. So for the last couple of years, I have been a very, my mindset has been much more on competitive golf than just a friendly round. And I, I think the thing I take away looking back, especially when I found those scorecards, it really hammered at home. I don't remember what I shot on those courses. I remember that I got shot at or or just below ninety at Carnoustie, and kept it under ninety at the old course, which is you should. Um, but just how much fun it was! Part of it was you guys. Part of it was the scene, the setting, the course. But just hitting golf shots and having it was all match play. That was the other thing. No, there was no. I don't think there was any metal bonus amongst us. That's something that i can go reach back into scotland and grab that feeling of just going out and and having fun not necessarily in a competitive situation and i need probably more of that not less of it um you know the world has changed a lot since 2019 the whole world like i look at those pictures to kind of keep the color on the film so to speak that's why i send them to you guys each year so fred uh, i'll with all of that said Talk to me a little bit about kind of the long-term impact of our Scottish trip for you. The 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 way you experience golf or travel or just the the memories. What does that trip mean three years on? Um
2: uh I, I would have to say that that trip will will always be special for for what I did and and you know what we were able to do. But uh, this is gonna sound super corny, and I hope you edit it out later. But I I really felt like you know, um, you guys became you know really really close friends of mine. I mean we we went on a pretty pretty good adventure, and we got to see some very cool stuff. But I mean the after the rounds when we got lunch and we sit there and we were you know giving each other a bunch of shit about you know matt hitting backwards out of a bunker or trying to bounce it off the face of a bunker um i think you know when i'm when i'm at that point and i'm reliving my life i think those are actually the moments that i'm going to um i'm really going to treasure you know playing the old course is something i can always say that i was able to do but maybe the the you know meeting meeting the guy at the at the um, Italian restaurant that recognized us from St Andrews. I mean, that is oh, no, 10 no. Wait, times wait, wait, one second. <laughs> it,
0: he never met Matt, and he never met me. He remembered. <laughs> he remembered Fred.
2: <laughs> well, you guys were there. <laughs> um, he remembered us. It's a, it's a group of Or stuff you were told, you wouldn't have any idea, <laughs> right? Um, I think. I, I mean, that's the part that's that's probably going to end up being more special to me. In the long run, you know, the the just the, you know, Matt and I in, in the hotel room on the last night, you know, it was getting really tired and I looked at him and I was like, Matt, I, I mean, I don't think I've ever been more comfortable <laughs> laying in this bed than I am right now. Are you sure we need to get up and go? I mean, we had the dart thing on TV going. I mean, I was first perfectly satisfied right there i mean that's gonna be with me forever um you know and and dave bless your heart i mean you are you are like you know you know ponce daily on man you are you are on a mission and you are pulling a hundred pounds of crap with you and i'm just you know i'm just trying to, i got a limp i'm just trying to keep up you know and poor matt and mother Hand matt God bless his heart, you know, keeps looking over his shoulder. Fred, you okay? You know, just, he was like the little rubber band that was keeping us all, all in the in a, in a lawn, you know, we'd get a little further apart and then I'd get caught up, you know? So, I mean, that, that's truly, truly what I'm going to remember.
0: Matt, I, while Fred wipes his eyes, I'll, I'll throw that same question to you. Three years on looking back at the golf and the silliness and the experiences. What's that? What's the Scottish golf trip to you?
1: It's, I think it's two different things. Um, the first one is a, a golf experience that I had never had and wasn't, didn't realize that I would ever get to have or, or how much I would enjoy. Um, you know, I've been, I've been playing since I was 13. Um, it was a, it was a thing that my dad and I did and it, you know, golf has always meant a lot to me. I played a lot in college when, you know, there most guys didn't play it as much or weren't as serious about it as me. Not that I was that serious, but, um, I, I enjoyed it that much. It's been a big part of my life for a very, very long time. And this was from a pure golf standpoint different um it is you know it it was just one of those things that you know is very difficult to explain because it's just not it's not like playing golf anywhere else it is you know there are there are plenty of wonderful wonderful places and i'm not i'm not bagging on american golf there's you know you can you can go around this country and find absolutely fabulous places to play golf and have a wonderful time. And they're not Scotland. They're just not. Um, and, you know, so from a, from a pure golf standpoint, from somebody who's loved it for a really long time, I knew I would like it. I had no idea how much um, it was. It, like I said, it's just such a fabric of what they do and who they are and it's you know these places that have been around for 200 years that have been doing the same thing and you get there and you just sort of fall into it and it you know it becomes kind of a part of of what you are over there um and so from a from a golf standpoint you know i i became a little bit more of a purist i guess that you know this is boy this is really what golf was originally intended to be. Um, and I got to experience that there and and just be immersed in it. Um, and so from that standpoint, you know, that's, that is, that's the big thing that, that sticks with me from the golf side. But the other side is exactly what Fred was saying. There's, you know, there is no, uh, you know, there's no, trip that i can remember where there were just as many you know as many things involved as many stories involved with not the golf right i mean we could we could pick out every single day and talk about the trip to the golf course and laugh as much as as any other part right between the, the the planes trains and automobiles aspect or the meals we ate or you know the just everything from from literally start to finish you know the the damn tram ride where my wife reminded me the other day of the tram ride where i had the coat where my backpack was sitting funny it looked like i was wearing a leprechaun's coat or something <laughs> Ten thousand degrees yeah, in right. that damn tram And we had been there five minutes at that point. We had been in the country for a hot second and we already had that going on. And it just, it was that way from the
0: very beginning to the very end. It was, that's, that's well said. And I obviously agree with that sentiment for, you know, you're my guys. Look who I do this podcast with. Look who, you know, my most texted friends, probably John Mark as a singleton. And then you guys right close behind, because you're not just my golf buddies anymore. We have, it it wasn't life altering, you know, we didn't survive some big trauma, but that was a, there's a common experience there now that we can, you know, you can just kind of nod like, yeah, you know, we, we did that. We, we, we made that happen. Um, and we'll have those memories forever. And as long as this as long as these digital, whatever the cloud is, I guess the universe can have these memories too. Um get you out here a couple of quick fire ones, guys. Uh Matt Channy, did you lose more balls in Scotland or in Nashville this year?
1: Um, I believe Nashville this year, and I don't know that it's super close. <laughs>
2: I, I don't think I've ever said this on this podcast, but boy, that was a move right there <laughs> uh,
1: that's all right that's all right hey i deserve it i deserve <laughs> it but what he's speaking of is just how few i lost in scotland obviously having nothing to do with nope. the no dreadful
2: not. last three months that i've had no 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 he's not matt no that's no. not what he's saying
0: <laughs> you know it, it, Matt got to hit off a beach in scotland so i'm still oh. jealous of that like that yeah. was cool like i, I was looking it- at I was looking at that picture the other day, and I was like, "Matt Cheney hit from there." If you stand on the first green at North Barrack and look up the coast um, during low tide, there was a place he, you know, wind got his drive and didn't miss it by much. Like you had to worry about the wall coming back in. But that, I mean, how cool was that? You got to go. You got to keep your shoes on and go hit off of a beach back into play. Oh, uh,
1: once again, we've been there like ten minutes roughly. That was that was just after the trail. Had a good nap. That's right. I fell asleep on the bus on the way there. Yeah, absolutely. And then yeah, I remember standing there and and I'm like I'm going to dig my dig my shoes here into the the beach of the North Sea and hit one back onto the course. How cool is that?
0: He absolutely lost his temper on the next hole. I've never seen that, him. I've still yet never seen him so mad as losing two balls on the third hole at North Berwick. Oh,
1: that was next so, uh, yeah,
0: yeah, that... to 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 anger. Fred, uh our caddies... Ed Carnusti said, yeah, they've got all the history down there at St. Andrews, but we've got the golf course. Is that true? It is. Yep. When, well well said. Um, when we go back, are we going back to Fife? Are we still going is the is the magic Saint Andrews or is there same or different type of magic somewhere else over there that we need to explore? Fred, you go first.
2: Um I think there's I think there's more to be found um I think it was great that we got to play it um, everyone should play it but I I would I would make that trip as many times as I could playing all of those little you know ely courses that I could find Matt I-
1: agreed wouldn't wouldn't differ with him one bit
0: well that's that I keep scheming ways to try not to recreate it, but just an excuse to get back over there. Um, picking which part I want to go to next, um, I can make a strong lawyerly case for all the different parts: uh, the west side over near Prestwick and Glasgow, out on the islands, out in the he- up in the Hebrides, up in the Highlands, northeast over by Aberdeen. It, it all, I can make a strong case for all of them. Um, but the the underlying truth is that. It's not if, it's when. It was that powerful experience. Three years on, I draw a lot of happiness. You know, we're we're getting ready to in, enter our dead period, so to speak, for golf. Um, a lot of treeless or a lot of leafless trees, and great that the gray will arrive about Thanksgiving and won't leave until probably Valentine's Day. Just pulling up those images in my mind. That's huh. that call you up and be able to laugh about it um here years on and it'll never get old i'll never get tired of doing that so that's what that's what that scottish trip is for me three years on
2: absolutely absolutely
0: hey thanks for stopping by for this episode of the blind shots podcast you know after i cut off the recorder we started retelling our favorite tales from that trip laughing and giggling like we have since the day we got home. The stories do get a little richer with each retelling, but they also perform a valuable function of keeping the memories alive and vivid in our minds. And that's half the fun of being an American in Scotland, if not more. You know, now that the global pandemic has nominally subsided, touristy destinations have suffered under crushing demand as people rush to make up for lost time and experience destinations like they once, used, bef- once did before. All right, golf in Scotland have been no exception, as a much-heralded 150th Open Championship at the home of golf was a headliner to a full card of golf demand at the world's best Lynx courses. Don't believe me? Take a look at the tea sheets and prices available for visitors next year, places like Kingsbarns, Royal Dornick, and North Berwick, if there are any tea times to be had at all. I desperately hope to get back to the ancestral homeland one day and press record on a whole new batch of memories for a lifetime. But until then, I hope you enjoyed what you heard here today. If you didn't like it, I will try to do better next time. Remember to hydrate all day and sit up straight. And as always, when you have the choice, do decide to go for it and take dead aim. Like these Scots, they take that shit seriously. I'm not gonna be able to get a drop. To <laughs> walk, walk my fat ass back all the way over here. I just laughed. I'm not gonna
2: be able to get a drop.
0: I just made fun of Cheney for being in that bunker. I'm gonna have to walk past it again. This is be awful.
2: just to be clear uh, I had a lot of scotch that day <laughs> I mean an absurd amount yeah that was that was that was rough that was a, that was a doozy. there's the end of a podcast right there.